0: (音楽) ¶¶ Welcome everybody to episode 40 of Disney Plus Reviews. I'm Phil Souza, and I'm here with my good friend Grant Inigo Montoya, Youngsma, uh, you have a very Latin name, uh, middle name, oh, by the way, I've never noticed that before. Uh, how's it going, Grant?
1: Wonderful, Phil. How about you?
0: Oh, pretty good. Uh, I am super excited to talk about this episode. Um, people have already seen the episode title, so mm-hmm. they already kind of know what we're going to talk about today, But, uh, and we teased it at the end of last week's episode. Yep. But, um, yeah, we are reviewing 1987's The Princess Bride. Uh, I looked this one up. I'm very proud of myself. I actually did the research, and we're not doing the research while we're on the show, which is what our typical MO is, 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 seems to be around here. But, uh, no, this was definitely not a Disney movie. So, yes. yeah, this movie came out. I forget what the actual production or the, um, you know, the studio that actually made the movie, but it was produced by 20th Century Fox. Yep. So that explains why Disney has it in their library now uh, because Disney, of course, purchased uh, 20th Century Fox. Everyone knows that. So they ac- basically recently acquired this movie. Yeah. It, was, it was not in the Disney catalog until recently. So, But it is now. It's on Disney+. Plus. You can watch it. Uh, now, uh, as as we're recording this, I've we've uh, both of us have seen it already on Disney Plus. So, um, so yeah, uh, one of my favorite adventure comedy, yeah, action. I don't know. There's like four genres that this movie falls into, but one of my favorite movies of those. Yeah, genres. it's a
1: classic for sure
0: what's uh i mean we, we couldn't not do this movie at some point like i mean it was gonna it was gonna happen um and i grew up with this movie i watched it for i mean it came out in 1987 i was eight when it released my guess is i was probably watching it at least by the time i was nine or ten yeah um the movie did not do well at the box i mean relatively speaking did not do well it's mm-hmm. not gangbusters um it was uh like a $16 million something like that, 14, yep. 16 million dollar budget. 16 million. 16. And it only made 30 million at the, at the yeah. box office, which, um, you know, even adjusting for inflation or whatever, that's not very much money yeah. even in the eighties. So it's obviously a cult classic. Everyone has seen this movie at mm-hmm. this point. Probably most people have, but t- like you were, if you went and saw this in the theaters, you were actually kind of one of the relatively few people that did, um, yeah. for, when it first came out. Um, Grant, you weren't even born when this movie came out. <laughs> when, when did you come to this movie? What's your history? Um,
1: with it? I would say I've seen the movie now probably five or six times. Um, but I probably watched it the first the first time ever we watched it. We had a kind of like church get-together when I was in like fifth or sixth grade. And we watched this movie. Oh. And so that was the first time I watched it but I didn't really enjoy it the first time I saw it I was like oh that's kind of cool but it's not the greatest movie ever but then the more I've watched it the more I enjoy it so I feel like it's kind of one of those movies where the older you get the more you enjoy this movie
0: oh yeah definitely yeah I I you know I take it back I, I probably wasn't 10 i I was probably like 13 maybe mm-hmm. when I first saw this. Um, one, because I, I going back and watching it now, I I'm a little surprised you guys watched it at church. Was it actually in the church building or just like no? A, it was at event? somebody's house. Okay, that that makes more sense. It, the movie is clean for the most mm-hmm. part. There is um, there there's one like minor cuss word towards the end of the film. Um, with the big sword bat at the end of the big sword battle. Um, there's. Uh, like I feel like a couple suggestive, like yeah. sexually suggestive things. I think he talks about her breasts at one t- at point, but I mean, all 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 spoken like the movie is actually really really clean. That said, because of like the torture scene and um just maybe some like you know violent fighting yeah. and stuff like that, I doubt my parents would have let me see it until I was at least thirteen because my yeah. my parents were pretty strict about that. So um. So yeah, but I watched it a lot in high school. I I honestly I'm not joking. I probably watched it seven or eight times just in the four years that I was in high school. Um, I had some buddies that loved it, quoted it. This movie's very quotable, obviously. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think is more quotable this this movie or or the the Emperor's New Groove, which we also covered mm-hmm. recently?
1: I'm going to go with probably this movie just because it's been around longer.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. It does have that going for it. I think I agree. I I think there are more quotable lines in this yeah. movie, and and well, well, those will de- all those lines will definitely come out <laughs> as we review it. But uh, going back and watching this movie again, I'll be honest. I remembered most of the lines because I I could practically quote the movie when I was in high school, and then you know even since then I've probably seen it another three or four times. This is probably like my thirteenth or fourteenth time watching it, but. There were still, even after all those many lines, there were some lines in this movie that I was like, I forgot that that's from this movie. Like they're movie, they're movie lines that a lot of people say and you hear over and over again, and then you just kind of forget the source. Mm-hmm. So one of the lines, I'll just, I'll, you know, just blast it out here right now. One of the lines was have fun storming the castle and like I've heard that line so many times yeah. just like referenced by people and I I legit forgot it was from this movie. I I just figured it was from Monty Python or something like that.
1: Mhm. Cuz it's kind of you would kind of expect it from something like Monty Python, but then
0: Yeah. I I never made that comparison. I don't think believe I ever made that comparison when I was in high school. Watching this now now that I'm 40 years old, I there are a lot of comparisons to draw to Monty Python. This is kind of like, I was going to say the American Monty Python, but it's actually like, everyone's like (laughs) speaking like British accents and stuff in this one. Um, But it it is, it kind of feels like the American shores version of Monty Python in the sense that it is a fanciful fantasy kind of world, but also obviously very comedic. So Holy Grail, Monty Python and the Holy Grail and this movie I think have a lot in common.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that because they're both kind of, in the medieval medieval type. Yeah. And then they both have like those weird type kind of scenes. Yeah. But also they have a lot of comedy too.
0: Yeah. I, uh, the, um, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail was another one that I watched probably like eight or nine times during mm-hmm. high school. But honestly, I think I've always re- kind of enjoyed this movie a little bit better. I, uh, Monty Python is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, but there are, Overall, as like an overall picture, I think I think this movie stands a little bit above it yeah. um, for me. So, because um, the Monty, Monty Python, there's a lot of like nothing scenes, like scenes <laughs> literally you just hit, hit the fast forward. But like, okay, this this scene sucks, just move on. And then and then there are hilarious scenes in that movie. But this movie is like totally watchable from beginning to end, even if you don't care about the comedy aspect of it. It's just a really good story. Um, speaking of the story, I, have you looked? anything into like the the basis for the movie. I never looked it up until yesterday. I mean,
1: I saw that there's a actual book called the princess bride. Yeah. But, um, like you, I looked it up whenever I watched this last, which was last Monday or last Tuesday. Uh And that's when I figured that out.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that either. I Mm -hmm. I literally figured that we're recording this on a Monday. I recorded that. Yes. I, I learned that yesterday about the movie. So there is an actual book. The book was written before the movie came out. And in fact, it says, I think at one point in the opening or closing credits, I don't remember which, based on a story by whatever. So the very opening, of course, everyone knows this movie is... We're going to spoil the entire movie, by the way. I, I haven't said that yet. Um, the, the movie did come out in 1987. So, so you've
1: had <laughs> enough time yeah, to watch it I'm at sure, this point.
0: I'm sure if you haven't watched it by now, you're probably not going to. So, um, But the, the movie is essentially a grandfather reading a story to a child, to his grandson. And... And I always just assumed it was just a book made up for the film. Yeah. Come to find out, it's a real book. Like, it's a real book. The The movie, The Grandfather Says uh, by S. Morgenstern, uh, the, mm-hmm. the book is. It was actually written by a man named William Goldman, but under the pen name, or no, I think he says it's like an abridged version of the original Princess Bride story by okay. S. Morganstern. S. Morganstern is a made-up person. Like, it, it, <laughs> I, no, I'm sorry, is a real person. Sorry, that's not true. Real person never wrote the story. Okay. So, uh, so
1: he's getting crap for <laughs> something he never did.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think S. Morganstern lived a long time ago. I can't remember what what century he lived in. But yeah, it's he never wrote a story called the Princess Bride. Um, but this guy named William Goldman. In the 70s even. I think it was like 1972 or three is when the book came out.
1: Yeah, I think that's long,
0: Long time before this movie came out. In fact, they tried to cast this movie for many, many years before they actually landed on the cast. But um, yeah, Rob Reiner picked it up, picked up the the book, loved it. I think he read it when he was a kid, Carl Carl Reiner, his dad. 1973. Okay. Read that book to him when he was a kid. And so he, he loved the story and wanted to do it. And and he kept in the movie the same kind of premise, which is this is a actually a book by S. Morgenstern, which <laughs> is great. I, I love the fiction of that. Um, so I had never known any of that. But you can actually – you can buy the book on Amazon and read it. It's 300 and something pages or yeah. whatever. So
1: it, it might be worth reading. Yeah. Just because, I mean, the movie's good, so – you would assume the book's probably good as well.
0: Yeah, I did read the four or five par- paragraph synopsis, like you know, cliff notes, basically, of the book on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and I I would say ninety percent of the book is in this movie. <laughs> okay, he didn't deviate very much at, at all. If you've seen the movie, you've probably already know what to expect from reading the book. There are a couple differences that I'll i maybe highlight as we go through the movie, but um, they're very small differences. Nothing nothing major. So. Um, anyways, I, I just, I love, love, love how this movie is based, basically a story that's being read to a a child. Um, he's not, the kid's not in it. Um, who's the actor? I'm always blank on his name. Um, Uh, Fred Savage. Fred Savage. Yeah. We talked about.
1: Yep. The brother of Ben Savage, who is, as everybody knows, Corey Matthews. Yeah. Of Boy Meets World.
0: Yeah. Greatest sitcom of all time. Oh, you know it. I know you love it. Yes. I also love it. Not as much as you do. Um, but yeah, I, uh, he obviously looks a lot like Ben Savage um, oh, yeah. in this movie. And he's such a such a cute little kid. And I, I love every time he, he interrupts the story saying, is this a k- kissing book and stuff like that. It's so funny to me. But um, yeah, I love the premise of the, of the movie basically being this story told by a kid. But let's get into it. Um, before we... Before we kind of I, I don't know if we want to go beat by beat or not I, there are, there are so many good scenes in this in this movie like I think I feel like we're gonna come around to all the good stuff eventually mm-hmm. yeah um, do you want to start with like some of your favorite scenes like when you think about the Princess Bride, what are the things that you think about first?
1: Well, one scene for sure is when they go see Miracle Max Oh it's so good and he tells them he's not all dead but he's mostly dead. <laughs> and then his wife is just comical. Yeah. With the whole humperdink, humperdink. <laughs> and and then, of course, the quote that we talked about earlier, have fun storming the castle. <laughs> so that's probably one of my favorite scenes. And you, of course, have the one where Wesley and, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Oh, um, Vizzini. Vizzini, yeah. Where they have their kind of like matching of the wits. Yeah. Or Vizzini thinks it's a matching of the wits, but then he talks the whole thing through, and then you go to find out there's poison in both glasses. Yeah. But it's very humorous watching Vizzini try and figure this whole thing out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. That's that's honestly probably the, the first scene that a lot of people think of yeah. is... Uh, Actually, maybe both of those scenes, but I would say probably even more people are thinking of the Vizini scene because mm-hmm. um, just the whole thing—like he's almost like talking himself out of which <laughs> glass to, to choose—and then at the end he switches the glasses for literally no good reason. Like it's—it's
1: it's so funny to me. Yeah, he does um, the whole "Oh, look
0: at that!" <laughs>
1: so sneaky.
0: Yeah, it's so good. I um, so like Wesley throughout the movie kind of refers to himself as the brains, like yeah. um, at towards the end of the very end of the movie, when they're storming the castle, he, he re- describes, um, you know, them as like the, the muscle, the sword and the brains or whatever he's. So he's like, I'm the brain, I'm the brainy guy of this group. And so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's so, I mean, he's obviously strong. He t- ends up taking down a uh, um, He obviously can wield a sword. He takes down an ego, but the 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 scene with Vizinha I think is the best of the three mm-hmm. just because it's so iconic and it's really really funny yeah so yeah um, so those the, those are two of my fav- favorite yeah
1: those are my two favorite scenes I would say
0: yeah um let's see I'm trying to scan, scan over I really like the fire swamp um I, I always really enjoy just kind of the the silliness of that scene how they're like having this like really serious conversation as they're like dodging fire yeah <laughs> um from coming out out from the grounds and the of course the rats of unusual size um, are just hilarious um, uh, yeah Miracle Max I, everyone everyone that I have ever met that's ever seen this movie quotes Mowage Mowage is what yep. brings us together um, today <laughs> uh, marriage that blessed arrangement
1: that dream within a dream, <laughs> and love if they did a remake of this I guarantee you, the person that would play that guy is the guy that plays Barry Kripke oh. on Big Bang Theory.
0: That would be great. That would be awesome. Yeah, he talks literally the same yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, Tweja yo, love. I love his character so much. Um, there are, there are. I will say this, there are some really funny, really iconic characters in this movie. They're in the movie for a blip. I mean, they're, yeah. in, they're in the movie for... Two minutes, maybe at the most. One of them is is that character. This, you know, um, I think they call him the clergyman or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the movie for maybe less less than a minute, uh, but he's obviously very memorable. Um,
1: Miracle Max and his wife, super are yeah, barely so for, in it.
0: Yeah, he's two minutes, maybe three minutes at yeah. the tops. And you you think, oh, it's Billy Crystal. Like I can't believe he got such a small small role. This was like his fourth movie or something like that. He yeah. was super young. Uh, Curiously enough, he, I mean, it makes it makes sense when you think about it. But like, he his first ever movie was This Is Spinal Tap, which was also a Rob Reiner. Hmm. So I think he had worked with
1: Rob Reiner just so a few years. So they had a relationship before this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it was the second movie. But at any rate, um, they knew each other, and and so obviously Rob Reiner thought he was hilarious, had wanted to have him come back, but gave him a really small role because he's not Billy Crystal yet. He's just he's not the Billy Crystal from like, you know. Monster's Inc. Or like any of these huge roles that he's
1: done, but um, he's he kind of was a late bloomer then because he's not really young in this movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of makeup on him, and you see him in Spinal Tap, and he looks like a kid. Um, He's all, I mean, it's hard hard to tell because he's he's basically a mime (laughs) in that movie. But um, but yeah, he is he is fairly young. He's kind of like stand up comic still, kind of kind of deal. So, um, but yeah, obviously kind of almost steals the show uh, really by the time he comes on at, very, at the very end of the movie. So um, uh, let's kind of, I guess kind of go beat by beat. We'll kind of, we'll skip over a lot of the stuff that maybe isn't as interesting. And I, I do think there are a few slow spots in the movie here and there, but um, I, I think it's worth mentioning. This is the second movie in a row that takes place in Chicago. <laughs> the, the grandfather has such an awesome voice. I, I love his like deep Chicagoan accent um, kind of that deep, raspy kind of uh, delivery. I, he's he's so awesome. He says, "When I was your age, television was called books." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, we. I mean, the movie wastes no time. We get to know Wesley and Buttercup, 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 Princess Buttercup. Um, right at the beginning, um, there's the "As You Wish" thing, which I think is so. Again, that phrase is so iconic. Uh, for the movie, uh, they said, you know, he very sappy. I think a lot of the romance in this movie is played for sap. Like, it's very sappy on purpose. And, it, like, it's delivered right at the beginning. He says, you know, it, Buttercup soon found out or discovered that As You Wish really meant I love you. <laughs>
1: it's <laughs> like, oh. What a great pickup line.
0: <laughs> and then like within the first two minutes of the movie, they're already kissing cause they fall in love. It skips over a lot of their like falling in love. And he says, uh, Fred Savage says, hold it, hold it. Is this a kissing book? <laughs> Which is so perfect for like, you know, an eight-year-old, eight year old, eight, nine year old kid or whatever. Um, yeah, and then, I don't know, kind of skip, skip, skip. Like, they really actually kind of go fast through a lot of the details. They, in passing, just kind of mention that he dies. Like, Wesley is, like... <laughs> by the
1: Dread Pirate Roberts.
0: Yeah. So you're led to believe he's he's dead. Obviously, he's going to come back, but um, he is killed by a princess... By, by a dread, <laughs> <laughs> dread Pirate Roberts. And the Princess Buttercup is left alone. And then... Uh, we're it, oh, it's, like five years pass. There's quite a, quite a bit of time there. And then H- Prince Humperdinck basically comes in and says, I'm going to marry princess buttercup. She's free. What a great name. <laughs> the, the names in this movie are, are really great. Um, and then all of a sudden you see that she's been kidnapped and away we are off to the races. So there's a lot covered, like a lot of like exposition that's kind of glossed over in the first three or four minutes. And then it goes right into the the actual action. So, um, so let's talk about these three kind of main dudes. So there's Vicini, who basically is like starting, he's tr- trying to start a war. And you think it's all his idea until re- later on you f- find out Humperdinck was really the one that put him up yeah. to it. But um, he is capturing, he's kidnapping the princess to make it look like this other country kidnapped her. Yep. And then, and like,
1: then hopefully they'll go to war because of it.
0: Yeah. And he, he talks about how, like, Hey, like, you know, starting a war is like one of the oldest businesses of all time, or whatever. He, he almost like thinks of himself as like a great, uh, you know, part of ancestry for he's like. He's kind his. of like the
1: person that shot the
0: shot that started the shot heard around <laughs> the world. Yeah, exactly. He's very proud of himself for pulling this off. Uh, he's got a giant who uh, he says, uh, When I found you, you were unemployed in Greenland. <laughs> and uh and then a swashbuckler uh guy who obviously in the ego really becomes kind of one of the main characters in the entire film yeah. to me um it's between him and wesley i mean they're they're kind of equal as yeah far it's
1: saying as... because all three of them are just from different places i mean <laughs> Vizzini's from C- sicily, sicily yeah. and then the giants from greenland and then <laughs> montoya's from spain yeah or, Somewhere that speaks Spanish.
0: And I mean, we're to believe that this is, this takes place in England. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So it's pretty interesting that all these people are in the same place, but um, the giant loves to rhyme, which I think is really funny. There's like all these little quirky things that the characters have. And um, the fact that they kind of play off of the giant is like very simple minded. Like he's not stupid, but he also is a little slow and very childlike, I think. Uh, And so <laughs> when he gets upset, like ego comes in and starts rhyming with him, and I, I just love those little scenes. Um, but he's
1: definitely there because he's super strong. Oh yeah, and not because of its his brains.
0: Yeah, it's pretty clear that Viz- Vizini thinks he's the only brains of the outfit, and then Anigo <laughs> and and Fezik are, are really just there to carry out his his uh, actual phys- physical physical. Because
1: I mean, Vizini's probably. Maybe five feet at yeah. most.
0: Wallace Shawn, I think, is the actor's yeah. name. He's super, he's super short. Um, so him, it's comical just watching him right next to Fezzik, Andre the Giant. Um, Andre the Giant was like seven something, I want to say. Um, obviously, a lot of people know him from like WWE fame.
1: Seven foot four. Yeah,
0: he's a monster. But um, he actually like had really bad health Mm -hmm. and especially at this at this period like in the late 80s he had been wrestling for a long time and he had a super bad back and like while they were shooting the film there's actually one scene where he's supposed to pick up princess buttercup who's probably like i mean that girl the girl that plays her like buttercup in this movie she's probably 120 pounds soaking wet like she's she's a little thing but he couldn't lift even though this guy's massive he couldn't lift her because his back was so bad like like you live you lived your entire life of being this this huge dude, seven four, mm-hmm. just you know four hundred pounds wherever he was, you're gonna have like health issues, and he had like a really bad back at this time, so um so he looks like a monstrosity and a force to be reckoned with, but in actuality like Andre was like in a lot of pain when he was shooting some of these scenes, but um
1: too many fake falls
0: yeah, oh absolutely he i mean he walks slow, like you can tell he's like. This isn't like an agile dude. um, Yeah. But yeah, he, at one point, Vizzini says, uh, No more rhymes. Now I mean it. And he says, Anybody want a peanut? (laughs) (laughs) And Vizzini is so mean to them. I I love his interactions with them. He just, he belittles them like at every turn. And I
1: mean, it doesn't ever really say that he's paying them. So you wonder why they're even there.
0: Yeah. 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 It is kind of curious. I, I guess he's like making sure they have food and yeah. shelter. <laughs> that's about it. Um, so they they uh, they they are on this ship and they're on this river, or whatever. And um, she jumps out of the ship when their backs are turned. They're they're kind of caught up by this uh, ship that's chasing them, which we find out is Wesley. And she jumps into the water.
1: We have the shrieking eels. I remember being
0: terrified by the shrieking eels part when I was a kid.
1: Um, but now it's kind of like a kind of a little comedic because, I mean, you see all those movies where like Jaws and different types of movies where, or even like nowadays, but then these shrieking <laughs> eels and you're just <laughs> like, this is pretty comical right now.
0: Yeah. I remember as a kid thinking that they looked really real and then I I go back and look, look at it now. It's like, that looks so terrible. (laughs) But, but I mean, again, $16 million budget. Like they, I don't think they were even going for realism with this movie. Like, yeah, not at all. So, um, anyway, that, that scene's over pretty quick and then they reached the cliffs of insanity and, um, he, uh, Vizini says only Fezzik is strong enough to climb the cliffs. He he thinks he can get away with this guy that's chasing and them, and he
1: carries all of them up. Dude,
0: it's so <laughs> awesome! I like. I remember thinking, like as a kid, like, like could someone, could a human really do that? Like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, is this real? Like, could someone like really carry all those people? Um, so I, I love that the the visual of that scene is really great. Um, they get to the top. They uh, Vazini cuts the rope because uh, the masked man is following them like climbing up the rope and they look down and he's still there, which is so great. And then, the, uh, Andre, the giant physics v- says, uh, he's got very good arms. <laughs> it would take
1: quite good arms to <laughs> climb up that.
0: Um, at this point, Vazini's only been on screen for like maybe four minutes, five minutes, and he's already said "inconceivable" like four times. <laughs> inconceivable, <laughs> and he says it more like in the scene where um, later on when, when you get the uh, battle of wits. But yeah, I, I just love how he loves that word and like, and as you're watching, you're like, man, he is this? On, is he saying that on purpose? Like, is this like did, did they write this on on the, on purpose for his character to say that that many times? And then it's so great because. And ego actually calls it out. He says, "You keep using that word. I do not think that it means what you think it means." <laughs> so good, man. <laughs> Everyone's everyone knows somebody that overuses a word, and like I feel like saying that every time I, I hear someone like overuse something. Like I do not think it means what you think it means. Um, and then we get the iconic sword fight. Um, did well, you,
1: before that, yeah, go for it. Uh, one thing that I love. Is an ego. Um, he could be like throwing rocks at the man in black and trying to <laughs> knock him off, but he oh, literally yeah. Yeah, yeah. just lets him climb up, and then he even gives him a break before they start <laughs> yeah. their duel.
0: It's so good. I think it's it's obviously played off for laughs. Um, it's it's almost like an honor thing, like this. Movie is set like you said, kind of medieval times. So, like it's it's kind of like those things with like I'm going to fight you mano a mano, you know. Yeah. But obviously, but he's having like like a very casual conversation with him as he's like literally trying not to not die, (laughs) climbing the cliffs of insanity, and and he's like he's like, uh, could you throw me a rope or something? I'm I'm barely hanging on here. Whatever he (laughs) says. Um, Yeah, I do. I forgot about that little exchange. Um, that that basically that exchange that like them. So uh, when they were on set, uh, they called this, there's two sword fights in the movie, obviously one at the end. And I, they called this the chatty fight. I think is what they called it. Mm. Yeah, um,
1: makes sense.
0: C- yeah. Cause they're basically talking the entire time as they're fighting each other. They're trying to kill each other. And, but they're like getting to know each other as friends, like as They're, as they're, uh, fencing. And so I just, I, I, I think chatty fight is a really good name for that. um, did you look up any information about how they shot this?
1: No, I did not.
0: Okay. I got I to gotta regale you with something really quick, and our listeners. Um, so there's a whole left handed, right handed thing, right? Yep. So everyone knows Inigo starts this fight left handed and he's losing. Like he's, he's doing pretty well. He's hanging in there, but he's losing. And he says, You know, I have a secret. I'm not left handed. And then he switches the sword over and then he starts getting the upper hand. And then Wesley does the same thing. I'm not left-handed either. And they go back to and then it's right-handed versus right-handed. Eventually Wesley wins. The way that they shot this, by the way, the um you might look up his name, the guy that plays Iniga Montoya, um trained in fencing for like six months or something like that before they even shot the first shot of this of this scene, which I think is is amazing. Like that you would dedicate that kind of uh time to it. Um Carrie Yules was only trained for, like, two months. So he had kind of gotten up to speed barely, I think. I mean, I, and the guy that played ego was, like, like a pro. Like, he had trained with the pros to get up to the speed. But still, like, either one, like, both of them were training with both hands. They, they did some right-handed fencing. They did some left-handed fencing. But eventually, they decided... The, like we, we really can't pull it off in, in a way that it looks like we're just as dexterous with our left hands. So here's what they did, Grant. They constructed two sets side okay. by side. And they, the the sets were mirrored. So the left side, you know, the set on the right hand side, the leftmost side was mirrored with the rightmost side of the left set. And they shot the, so it, lo- it was made to look exactly the same except just exactly flipped around. So that when they, would flip from left hand to right hands. They did a cut at that point and then flipped over to the other set. So they were ever they were always ever fighting with their right hands, except that when you see it, the the frame of the of the the film reel is literally reversed. It's just flipped over backwards.
1: Wow. So isn't that cool? Yeah, that is really cool. That, it says according to Vanity Fair. Yeah. So take this with a grain of salt. For six months, Princess Bride star Mandy Pattonkin had trained to become Inigo Montoya, the world's greatest swordsman. His worthy opponent, the Man in Black, slash Wesley, played by Carrie Ells, had four months of prep under his belt as well. Four months, okay,
0: yeah. So I, I knew it was not quite as much. I, I think I said two months. So that was wrong, but um, yeah. So they, I mean, they did a ton of training to get up to yeah. speed to do the scene, which is, that's totally respectable. I, I can't imagine doing that. Um, but even then, after all that tr- fencing training, they're like, man, it sure would be nice to do this some other way, like, other than, uh, like, truly left-handed versus left-handed. And they're like, why don't we just shoot it backwards? And so they flipped the set around and then, you know, filmed them fighting hand-to-hand combat, uh, right-handed versus right-handed, and then just flipped over the... That's one, kind of a genius in, yeah. move right there. Yeah, super smart. So um, anyways, that's, that's how that, that was shot. There's uh, the the entire scene was filmed over the course of a seven day period. It took an entire week to film it, and and they did every shot themselves. There's there's never once a, um, a stunt double except for the flip scene, like the kind of the comical yeah. kind of uh, silly like flip in, in the air type of thing. They used doubles for that, but that all the sword fighting was was truly them. So
1: that's pretty impressive, yeah. especially for. When this movie was filmed,
0: yeah, yeah, I thought that was really neat. So um, anyway, um, Wesley gets the upper hand uh, uh, in a, another badge of honor moment, just knocks him out instead of killing him. Um, then we get the 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 fight. It's a, a, I, I wrote fist fight, but it's not really a, it's not really a fist fight with Fezzik. Um, yeah, I don't know how
1: would you describe this this fight. <laughs> well, first off, Fezzik probably could. Uh, cause he has these boulders. He literally probably could knock <laughs> Wesley out before he even reaches him. But then it's, yeah, it's not really a fist fight. It's just kind of like a, maybe like a struggle. Yeah.
0: Type. I guess you could say wrestling, which yeah. I mean, it's Andre the giant. Um, so you know, that makes sense, but, uh, there's not much fighting going on. Like it's, no. it's, it's a lot of talking and then Wesley just kind of hanging on his back for a while which I'm sure that would have been hard for Andre to, to even pull that off with his health. But um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the scene is not very long. Like, yeah. Um, by the way, Rob, I forgot to say this, Rob Reiner, they, they originally shot the entire uh, fencing scene in, a, in about a minute. It was like 60 seconds of film. And Rob Reiner's like, that's not long enough. Like we need to double that at least. And I think the scene ends up being like two and a half to three minutes yeah. long. So but yeah, he, he wanted it long. He wanted this to be like this epic duel. And it, I mean, he definitely pulled that off. And then the scene with Fezzik is over really quickly. And I almost wonder if that's like maybe Andre the Giant's acting. He's, his acting is kind of suspect at times, and you can't really understand what he's saying sometimes. And so I wonder if they just wanted to keep it short just because of some of that. But yeah, um, it is funny to watch him like choke out Fezzik. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so impressive strength.
0: Um, we kind of already talked about the Vizini scene and I, I do love how like these scenes are like ses- sequential, almost, f- almost feels like a video game. Like, yeah. You, the next level. Yeah. You beat level one, you beat level two. Now this is level three with, with Vizzini. the boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite literally the He's boss
1: reached Bowser now.
0: <laughs> yeah. If, if uh, fighting Bowser was about, um, brains, but yeah, um, he says uh, I can't compete with you physically, and you're no match for my brains. Have you ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? He goes, "Yes, morons." <laughs> um, yeah, and then and then the, you know he does this whole thing, which I'm not gonna read. But like you know, I I clearly cannot choose the wine in front of you. I clearly clearly cannot choose the wine in front of me. And he he, he just goes back and forth over and over again, and it's so funny. Um, they originally were going to cast uh, Danny DeVito for this role, but like, I think Wallace Shawn like absolutely nails it. I can't yeah. imagine anyone else saying inconceivable. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, just really great scene. He, he chews up the whole scene. He owns this whole scene. Um, he says, you've given everything away. Wait, what can that be? to <laughs> something, swaps the drinks. And then he says, um, he, he says something about, uh, there's two main truths in the world. One don't, Get into a land war in Asia and then uh, never no never go in against a Sicilian woman when death is on the line. Ah ha ha, 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 ha and then he just keels over. <laughs> and that's it. He's dead. Like he does he never comes back
1: in the rest yep. of the movie. <laughs> and then you find out that Wesley's immune to the poison, basically. Yeah. And that he's trained for this.
0: I can't remember the name of the poison, um, but uh, he says it's odorless, tasteless. Like you'll never, you'll never be able to t- see which, you know, tell which one it is in the wine. And then the very next scene, you see Humperdinck come up and he sniffs it and he goes, "It's like iodine or Iocane or something like that." Yeah. I- iocane I thing. He could, he goes, "Hmm, that's definitely iocane." <laughs> like, no, dude, it's it's odorless. Humperdinck's a genius. <laughs> so, um, yeah, really good. He's Obviously, smarter
1: than Fizzini. And Wesley, yeah, put together, and Aristotle, and Plato, and Socrates.
0: Okay, dude. Okay, so going back and watching this movie, I was like, man, he is one of the slimiest villains (laughs) I've ever seen in a movie. Like, there's, it's obviously comical, it's played for laughs, but he's almost like to to the point where like no one could ever be that that heartless. uh, To quote another movie, (laughs) but like. Uh, Emperor's New Groove. No one's, no, no, nobody's that heartless, um, but like he is like, he's the mastermind and he's like total evil, like yeah. from, from beginning to end. And you and you know it. Everyone knows it. Um, so
1: yeah, I just he I, kind of reminds me a little bit of Lord Farquaad from Shrek. Yeah, because you kind of get the impression that uh, Humberdink needs to marry in order to become king, kind of like Lord Farquaad. Yeah, needed, and then they both find somebody and then they both plan on like getting rid of the person they're going to marry. Yeah. Cause now they have the title. There's a lot. I never
0: thought about that, but there's a lot of princess bride in Shrek. Isn't it? Uh, heavily inspired by it. So,
1: I mean, that movie came out like 14 years after. So they might've got some of their ideas from the princess bride. Yeah. I'm sure they did. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so, the,
0: for so at this point, it's just Wesley and Buttercup, and the other guys are, are gone. They're alive. We see them later, but but it's just the two of them now. I think it's a little silly that she doesn't recognize him. Like they were literally in love, and like they were lovers before he went off to sea and died. And you know, granted, it's been five years and whatnot. Five but years
1: must have been rough on her. Yeah,
0: like she doesn't recognize his voice or anything. Like I don't know. It's it's just kind of funny how.
1: He did grow a mustache.
0: That's true, yeah. And he does have a mask on. But um, yeah, it's they obviously don't linger on that for very long, which is probably a good thing. But um, by the way, I I wrote down a few lines as I was watching the movie. There are some, the movie's unquestionably a comedy. It's funny from beginning to end. I don't think anyone would debate that. But there are some really serious scenes in the movie and some serious lines. And um, there's a kind of a, a, argument slash debate between these two characters at this point they're essentially almost yelling at each other and he's like giving her what for and like is uh, really trying to assess like do you actually love humperdinck and blah 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 but um she she says you know something about pain or whatever and he says life is pain anyone who says different is selling something and i was like dude like how about the uh i already forgot his name but the the guy that wrote the book like how about that guy like You know, this is a silly, crazy movie. Like, I mean, the same movie that has Miracle Max also has like some like actual gems, like of lines, like that one. And so I wrote that down. One down. I was like, man, that's so good. Um, Really good, serious lines. Uh, She pushes him down the hill, and he rolls. As he rolls, he says, (laughs) "As you you wish." (laughs) And uh, and then it's so funny. She doesn't walk down the hill. She just
1: like falls on purpose and just (laughs) rolls right after him. That's one of those scenes where. Let's just roll down the hill. <laughs>
0: um, they shot this in England, by the way. I looked it up, like um, the castle, the, these hills, and stuff like that. It was the movie was primarily shot over there, which was cool. Um, then we get to the fire swamp. Um, anything the you want? Rodents
1: of unusual size.
0: I love that she that they're initially introduces uh, introduces the R O R O U S. Uh, R-O-U-S's, R- yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, she says, What about the R-U-S's? R- R- he says, The rats of unusual size, I don't think they exist. <laughs> and then right after that, gets attacked
1: by one. I mean, it's humorous because I mean, R-O-U-S could stand for a million things, but he <laughs> knows that it stands for rats of unusual size, yeah. Um, the rats of unusual size were, um, uh,
0: diminutive people like little people yep um in basically suits <laughs> like rat suits and then just wa- running around on all fours so uh he wrestles one it looks it actually looks pretty bad there like it looks like he might actually get taken by this yep. this rat of a neutral size and then ends up throwing it on and one that, of the like, bites him yeah it's like it's actually biting him, yeah, and she's screaming and then he throws it on one of the fire things so. Um, but yeah, that whole, I do, I do love that whole scene. There's not a lot of funny going on in the scene, but um, I, I love that they're having like this really serious conversation about where he's been all this time and what he's about to do and, and his plan for moving forward and everything like that as they're literally like dodging like bouts of fire and quicksands and rats of unusual size. Like it's like a, a b- very serious environment that you probably should be like focusing on <laughs> where you're stepping. And they're just like having this like really in-depth conversation. Um, I love that. Um, they get all the way through the fire swamp and like barely escape with their lives and then immediately get captured, which I think (laughs) he's waiting for them on the other side. And it turns out Humperdinck was behind the whole thing. We learn at this time that he hired Vizini. He, he plans to murder Buttercup on their wedding night, um, right after they're married and then blame Gilder, this other country. Um, so we find out he's kind of at the heart of all this. Um, and then, they knock out Wesley and take him off. You don't know exactly where to at first. They cut to another scene. But then eventually they get to the pit of despair. Um, and it's basically like a torture scene. Um, what, what do you think of the scene? I, When I was a kid, I was terrified.
1: Yeah. I mean, to start off, you have the albino. Yeah. Which is kind of already kind of weird.
0: He's another super short character. Yep.
1: But... Another iconic character, I would say. Yeah. And then you have the machine, <laughs> and you don't really know what it does at first. It doesn't until, say, does it? Yeah. Until they explain what it does and yeah. how it takes years off of your life. But and, it,
0: like, it, it kind of looks like I forget what they're called, but like those stretching machines that like that are real. Like they yeah. they really had those. Um, they would like pull. It was like a drawing and quartering thing where they pull your appendages out. Yeah. It's not doing that, right?
1: Yeah. And so. It, <laughs> And then they put this thing on him and it's just like, what a awful machine. And then they start off small and then they end up taking like, what is it? 15 years off of his life.
0: Yeah. The machine literally like deletes your life expectancy, which I think is so great um, the way they describe that, but like, um, they're like, start start off with one year or whatever. <laughs> so they hit the one year button or
1: whatever. And he's already like <laughs> in pain. And then Humberdink's like, oh, that's not enough. And then just bring it on.
0: He cranks it all the way up to 50, which is like yeah. the, the furthest it'll go. And his scream is actually, I never realized this. I, I, again, when, when you're a kid, you're just watching it for the funnies and mm-hmm. the action scenes and stuff like that. So this time I was actually paying attention to like, how's this plot advance? Like how are we getting from point A to point B as we go through this thing? It's it's because of his scream that Fezzik and Inigo even know how to find him. Yeah. So, because it the whole thing with Inigo and Fezzik at this point, um, Fezzik like nurses him back to health in this really awesome scene <laughs> where he's feeding him soup because he's drunk. Yeah. And um, so he gets him back up to like, you know, uh, soberness and then sobriety. and then he says we got we got to find the man in black because he's the only one that can help help me get my revenge he yeah. uh, Fezzik, how has find out that the that the six-fingered he uh, oh i don't remember that part so, somehow fezik knows that the six-fingered man is the count count tyrone in the castle and he says i know how to i you've been searching your entire life to find this count And I know where he is, but it's guarded by 30 men. And and he goes like, we'll never get through this, man. We need to, we need help. It's, we can't do it just the two of us. He says, how many guys can you take? And he's like, oh, I don't know, maybe ten. <laughs> and uh, and so they're like, we need help. And so he's like, we need to find the, the the masked man. Um, I wonder where he is. They hear his scream from like this this pit of despair is literally like inside of a tree, yeah, like a hollow tree or whatever, and like underground basically. And it his scream like goes all the way out to the entire city. Like everyone in town can hear him.
1: Um, and then they find the albino. As he's leaving, but then they knock him out. And so then there's the iconic sword where he's basically trusting his sword to show him where the man in black is.
0: Oh, yeah. Boy, I missed that scene last yeah. night when I watched it. I had forgotten about that. I think I got up to get a drink or something like that. It's a, okay, that's right. It's, he's using it like a like a water like yeah. diviner or whatever they call it. Yeah.
1: It's pretty much like a compass, and it's going to guide him. And then (laughs) they're just like, well, it's obviously failed. And then the tree just opens.
0: Yeah, I forgot. He like stumbles into the tree, right? Okay, yeah, I totally did not even watch that scene last night. Um, But yeah, I I remember that part.
1: And then they find Wesley, and he's obviously, he's just had 51 years taken off his life. So he's obviously in really bad shape and yeah. they even think he's dead.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's mostly dead. Yeah.
1: Mostly dead. <laughs> so then uh, they go they need a miracle. So who do they call? Um maybe Miracle Max. I Good call. Oh, that was, that was the first guess. Yeah. <laughs> a guy who has Miracle in his name.
0: Yeah. And he is such a great character. Like, like we've already kind of talked about it, but like, I mean, he essentially almost kind of steals the show. I know, I knew people growing up that would like literally fast forward to just the Miracle Max scene. Like, um, that that scene is just absolutely perfect. Um, The way he bickers with his wife, um, his makeup is like phenomenal. Like, if Mm -hmm. you know what Billy Crystal actually looks like, um, especially young Billy Crystal, they make him look super old. Um, He like almost disagrees with them like he's like I, i'm not gonna even for 65 gold piece They don't even say what the currency is 65 i, I won't i can't do it for 65 he's like he's trying to get out of it like he doesn't want to do it but then they he they let loose that he he wants to marry buttercup and like take her away from humperdinck and he hates humperdinck because he got fired by him yeah. or something and, and it, his wife's like humperdinck humperdinck <laughs> Yeah, he literally only takes a job so he says I make him better Humperdinck suffers. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh he ends up basically bringing um he takes a uh bellows. It's like like a the thing that people used to fan yeah. like
1: <laughs> the fires with
0: yeah fan fires with a, like a thing that you squeeze together and it blows air um, they stick that they jam that into his mouth and like and like bellow his chest up and then and then he ex- pushes that he exhales and what does he say when he exhales uh, Um, oh what's he say true love or something yeah <laughs> he's, he's he just says true love and then uh, and then uh, she's like she's like you're not gonna let true love die are you <laughs> We're okay. I don't know if you can hear that, but uh, something just dropped, but we're okay. You're safe, right? Yes. Okay.
1: True Uh, love. saved me.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's only mostly dead. Um, There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Uh, Please open his mouth and uh, they get him back up to life. So um, I think it's interesting. I always found it interesting when I was a kid um, that he has, um, the remedy that's like coated in chocolate so that it goes down easily. (laughs) And then... But they don't administer it there, which is and
1: the thing's huge. Yeah, it's <laughs> how, how would you describe? It's like a tangerine, maybe like a walnut, maybe almost. Oh, it's bigger than a walnut, yeah. isn't it?
0: It's it's almost like a like a baseball. Yeah, like, I mean maybe a little smaller than baseball. It's like tangerine, so, small baseball size. But yeah, they I get they shove this thing into his mouth somehow, and um, I I love 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 the storytelling device of this thing. Like it is. It is absolutely the opposite of what you're expecting it to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you're literally, as you're watching this for the, you know, take off your, I've watched this 10 times, eyes, and like, you're watching this for the first time. You're like, he's going to swallow this thing and he's going to spring back up and he's going to be like a you know, Superman. Sprightly. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for literally for the rest of the film, cannot control his motor functions. Yeah.
1: And that is awesome. He, he's very uncoordinated, can barely walk, and yeah.
0: It's great. What a great way to end a movie! Yeah. Like that, the fact that it literally is just his brains that are left. Um, we ov- obviously know that he's an extremely talented fighter, swordsman, that kind of thing. But he literally doesn't. He he, he doesn't even hold a sword except mm-hmm. for that one brief scene in the bedroom. Yeah. And um and, and I just I think it's it's great. He, he literally can't even hold his head up. Like they he they they prop his head up and it just falls straight back down. Um me
1: has to look at how many people there are. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So yeah, it's great. Um, he, there's some really kind of almost slapsticky kind of comedy here. Um, He says, you know, Oh, what what I wouldn't give for a Holocaust cloak. (laughs) And uh, they're like, Oh, you you mean one of these? And he just like Fezzik just pulls it out of his his (laughs) tunic or whatever. And um, so they basically do this. It's, it's not quite, like, I don't know how to describe it. Um It's almost like. He's on a, a cart.
1: It's almost like Trojan horse.
0: It is. It is very similar to Trojan horse, except that they know it's, like, yeah. ominous when they see it. But, like, he's huge. I mean, obviously, Fezzik in, in and of itself is huge, but the, he's standing on top of a cart. So now mm-hmm. he's, like, nine feet tall. Yeah. And he's shrouded in this massive black cloak, Holocaust cloak is what they call it. And he's hooded, so you, like you literally only see his eyes and his mouth. And it's dark outside, and these guys just scatter like flies. Yeah. It's 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 scary enough, but then when they light him on fire, fire yeah, <laughs> it's uh it's a really uh, like an awesome scene. So there's like they think there's gonna be thirty, but they say no, no, there's more than that. There's like there's easily like fifty guys, mm-hmm. and they don't even have to fight him. They just yeah. walk right through.
1: Genius <laughs> is what it is.
0: Um my as as comedy aside, like just looking at only the non comedic scenes, the best scene in this movie is the final fight scene between anigo yes. and Tyrone um you, you talk about it first i I, I love the scene it's It's easily the best scene in the movie for me Well,
1: um anigo's pursuing him, and then they get down to like kind of like the dining room area, and then uh Tyrone.
0: First off, yeah. Before we get to the fight scene, sorry to interrupt you. Inigo, um does his speech that he's been yeah. practicing for twenty years, or whatever. Uh, my name is hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. Montoya. You killed my, my father. father.
1: Prepare to die.
0: Yeah, and then um, and then he like holds out his sword in the hall. This is in the hallway I'm talking about. And um, Tyrone like like kind of pulls his sword for a second. Then he's like, I can't win. He just like takes yeah. off running, which is so great. Um, But, yeah, there's this big, like, flight, like, you know, he's running after him. At one point, Fezzik has to knock down a door. He eventually gets to him, and then we get to the fight scene, so. Yeah,
1: and then uh, Tyrone throws a knife at him, and it lands. Yeah. And then you think it's kind of the end for Inigo, but it kind of gives him, like, a second wind, and then he starts saying his line over and over again. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And he's... Hello. Almost every time he says it, he's, like, getting stronger and stronger.
0: I don't know if you're, you're like me, but I'm literally getting chills just sitting here talking about it. Yeah. I, I love how he just repeats it over it. And every time he the, – the guy was a Mandy is his name? Yep. Um weird name for a guy but anyway uh mandy mandy's delivery of that line over and over and over again it gives me chills every time i watch it every single time and I, there are very few scenes in, in in any other movie that give me chills like this scene like it's because at first he's very weak and so he's like hello my name is inigo montoya and then he goes more and more conviction and, and then conviction. It's, like, and it's hello my name is Nico, and then by the end he's like, "Hello, my name is Nico Mentoya." Like, and like as he ramps up and gets the energy higher and higher, I'm just like,
1: "Yes, this is
0: awesome!" It's
1: almost like the Braveheart speech. Oh, it's where so good! You feel like you could just run through a wall after hearing this. Yeah, and then of course he defeats Tyrone.
0: Uh, and, and that that last, like like slicing his his face in the exact same way that that Tyrone slashed his face when he was a yeah. like, ten year old or eleven year old. Oh man, like I, am like I'm getting emotional right now just talking about it. Like I love, love, love that scene so much. Um, the uh, the guy, uh, the guy that wrote it was obviously like on set. Um, yeah. the, the actual writer of the book, and he and he said um, he's not talking about his his own writing because he didn't write the the, the fencing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he just you know obviously wrote the story. Yeah. So he he talks about this movie. He says the the first. Uh, sword fighting scene in the beginning of this movie the, the epically long one uh, is the second greatest sword fighting scene in cinema history Wow! followed by the first which is later in the movie yeah. <laughs> like he says those are his two favorite sword fighting scenes of any movie he's ever yeah. seen that is crazy so, yeah
1: I mean obviously like at this point maybe it's not the greatest one because I mean film has gotten a lot better oh, yeah. but I mean, that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, you watch like um, Star Wars. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, sword fighting has gotten a lot the better. The
1: things that they can do now, but I mean, for where the for the time that this movie took place, phenomenal. Yeah.
0: And again, the emotion, the energy in that scene is is so palpable. Um, yeah. I, I watched actually on YouTube. You can find this reading of the movie. It was like some convention, comic oh, seriously, comic convention or whatever, hmm. where it's all it's some of the the same actor. I think it's some of the same actors from the movie. Maybe not. Uh, and then some other, like Minnie Kaling is in it, and some other actors play some of the roles. And It's literally just people in chairs with scripts, holding scripts, and reading in front of microphones. They read through the entire movie, I think, at least all the the crucial scenes. And when the this uh, when this fight scene have uh, goes on, the people in the crowd are literally cheering as he's they're reading the lines. Like you can tell, like everyone loves the scene. Yeah. Um. The 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 fight ends with uh, he says, "Offer me money, power too. Promise me that. Offer me everything I asked for, and and, and at this point, Tyrone's like a you know cry, a crying baby. Because he's
1: almost on his deathbed, pretty much.
0: Yeah, he's like anything you want. He's like, I want my father back, you son of a. And then you know, the word. So, <laughs> um, and then and then just slays him. And I was just like, like that. Oh God, that that scene is like it's so epic, dude. Like I I forgot how much I love that scene. I thought like, oh, of course, of course he gets his revenge at the end. But I had forgotten how powerful um that exchange is between them. So. Yeah. Really good. Um, <laughs> comparatively speaking, the the, the uh, battle, so to sp- speak, between Wesley and Humperdinck is really kind of a letdown after yeah. that. Because,
1: <laughs> I mean, you're so excited, and then you think, oh, there's going to be an even better battle between Humperdinck and Wesley, because you're literally, these are the two people that, quote, unquote, love Buttercup, and they they're gonna fight to the death for, yeah. but that's not really the case. <laughs>
0: it doesn't go down that like that at all. And actually, I do like the way that it goes down. Yeah, I, it, it's another subversion moment where your expectations are left and and they they jug you know jig right instead. But um, the I love like at this point you're thinking okay like the medicine is really working at this point. Like mm-hmm. he's gonna he's, he's he, gonna
1: have all his strength back. Yeah, for this one moment.
0: And he does get up off of the bed. Like at one point, he's lying down in the bed, and 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 uh, Buttercup is there with him and trying to, um, you know, uh, talk him, you know, get his strength up, um, encourage him. And Humperdinck comes in, and he eventually does step up out of the bed. And you're like, okay, now it's on. We're gonna see a, yeah. a serious sword fight scene. And then he basically. I I didn't write any of it down but you can go go look it up. There's some like incredible lines delivered from Carrie he basically Yulci.
1: scares him.
0: Yeah. And it like it's it's awesome. Like it's some of the best writing as far yeah. as like insult kind of stuff that I've ever seen. But um basically intimidates him down and then ends that monologue with drop your sword. Mm-hmm. And then he obviously does that clank 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 and then they just time up and <laughs> that's it. Like that's yeah. I mean that, that's the whole thing and then like like, literally, like, right after that, he tries to take a step forward and, like, almost falls over because he still doesn't have any strength in his legs.
1: But, yeah, it definitely shows, like, the brains of Wesley.
0: Oh, yeah. There's a live animal right outside yep. the room <laughs> of the
1: words. The possum has <laughs> come for us. Or the rodents of unusual <laughs> size.
0: It is like a rodent of... It's a, a, a rodent of smaller size, but yeah. still... Um, an R O L S, uh, you yes. might say. <laughs> There's literally a rodent right outside the room that we're recording in. That's that's very timely.
1: Yeah. Um, It must have. It must love <laughs> the Princess Bride.
0: I'm not even taking that that gap in, in
1: in conversation out of the out of the
0: recording. We're just gonna leave that in. That was great. Um, I was like, what are you looking at? Uh, anyways. So yeah, so they tie him up and um you know, Wesley has like no energy, but he still finds finds the energy to jump out of a two story window <laughs> down to a horse, which I think is um I it's gotta be intentional. Like they yeah. were just like at this point they're just like we don't care. Um and then there's a there's a kiss at the end and Fred Savage doesn't even care, because he's so wrapped up in the in the story. So Yeah. And then the grandfather leaves and that's it. Um just to wrap up some like general thoughts about the movie, I think this script is nearly perfect.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, and a lot like we were talking about with While You Were Sleeping last week, a really well-done well done movie. And yeah. My Ducks the week before that. I feel like the past three weeks with the <laughs> movies we've covered, Oh yeah. the writing, amazing. Oh, yeah. And these truly are, I mean, even though they were... They're twenty to thirty years old. The writing is flawless, and that is why we're talking about these today. Yeah, because the writing is that good.
0: I I mean, I'm struggling sitting here thinking about like this genre, like fa- fantasy adventure. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of where I would put this. It's obviously a comedy as well. I'm struggling to think of any any movie that I've seen since 1987. I mean. Never-ending story, maybe, but there's there's a lot of flaws in that movie. Like, I, can you name? Can you think of another movie that has intelligent writing like this? That's been re- released even in the last ten years. Like, I don't know. It's it is. Uh, this is a truly special script. Yeah, uh, I,
1: I really don't think you can really find a movie with action, adventure, and comedy like this movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good good way to put it. Uh, you and I, not a Disney movie, but you and I have gone round and round about, like, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. And that movie is action, it's comedy, it's its a lot of the same things that we're talking about. But as far as, like, like a, a Vicini versus Wesley, you know, wine swapping scene, or Miracle Max, or whatever. Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is one of the, my favorite action movies that I've seen yeah. in the last five years. But it's not up to the writing caliber of this movie, yeah, it's not, and you could argue it's okay, well, yeah, but Jumanji's funnier yeah. or the action's better, okay, yeah, maybe I mean it's it's got a lot of things up on a nineteen eighty seven film, yeah, but as far as the the way it's written i I don't think there's any contest,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, I, like you said, I mean, it might have one up on comedy and the action, but I yeah. mean, if you. Because you also have to take in consideration when it was made. If you compare those two, I don't really think it is a contest. And Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle is probably, I'd say, easily probably, outside of Marvel, Marvel, probably one of the top three movies I've seen in the last 10 years.
0: Yeah, I love that film.
1: I mean, I could watch that over and over again.
0: I haven't even seen the second one, and you say it's maybe even better. Yeah.
1: both those are hilarious, and I absolutely love both of those movies. But if you stack it up against this and really like dig deep, I don't really think there's any contest.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is a special gem. It's a, it's I a, um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe some people are listening to this and be like, "Really, The Princess Bride?" This is like the pin- the the pinnacle. I'm telling you watch it again. I yeah. you do not remember I I did not remember how well how well crafted this movie is. And so I watched it again. Um, and,
1: and you bear believe that at some point I mean maybe not in the next 10 or 15 years, but at some point somebody's going to try and make a remake oh, of yeah. this movie. Yeah. it's funny you, you
0: mentioned that cuz the the writer I keep I keep Goldman. Yeah, uh, Goldman. Uh, William Goldman I think. Mm-hmm. Um he he just recently died. Like, he, he died a year and a half ago, hmm. uh, 2018. Um, almost two years ago. And I, I think it was in November or whatever. But he, like, there was much rumor about a sequel. It was like Buttercup's child or something like that. It's like Wesley and Buttercup have a kid. Shrek the second.
1: Yeah. Oh, never mind. We're talking about Princess Bride. Yeah. My bad. Continue.
0: So, uh, you know, I think if if that manuscript ever surfaced, or maybe he did write it, and I just, I missed that part, but like, you could do that. Um, but, come on. Is that movie really going to hold up to the original? Like, no. I, I don't think there's Definitely any way. Definitely not. It, it'll, it will always be compared to the first movie, mm-hmm. and, you know, 30 years, What's it been? Thirty-three years. Yep. Later, there's no, there's no way you could do no any, come anywhere close to it. So, I, I think, I think honestly, a lot of directors would be terrified to even make it because yeah. there's no way it's going to unless hold up. you
1: wait so long that people just forget about this movie. Yeah, and it's one of those remakes where this is a remake. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and maybe people have forgotten about it. I when you when you suggested we bring this on the show. I, was, I, I at first. I was like, "Yeah, I love that movie. That's one of my was one of my favorite movies growing up," but it probably doesn't hold up very well. And I, I don't know if we talked about this in twenty twenty. I watched it last night. I was like, "I would easily when she's old enough show yeah. that to my daughter. Mm-hmm. Like she would absolutely love this movie." Yeah. So it totally holds up.
1: It really has everything that you look oh, for yeah. in a movie, and it's relatively clean except for the one line at the end. Yeah. But I mean, it has. Quite, I mean, for what I look for in a movie, it definitely checks off the boxes.
0: Yeah, I growing up when I was in high school, I there were uh, arguably like girls that I knew that maybe even like loved the movie more than I did. Um, I I think it probably this movie maybe skews slightly towards guys a little bit more mm-hmm. because of the adventure, because of the swashbuckling, the you know fight scenes and the saving the princess, you know that kind of thing. But I don't know. I I I knew a lot of girls that thought Carrie Yules was the hotness, and <laughs> they loved the romance of it and being sa- you know saved by this swoon worthy guy. You know, like uh, they really love this movie too. So it is definitely appealing to everyone. Um, I, I don't think we, while you were sleeping has the same appeal. <laughs> in the, I, I loved while while you were sleeping, but there's probably a lot of guys that I we actually know one guy in particular that hates that movie. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this one's definitely approachable for just yeah. about anybody. Um, obviously a huge cult cult classic. Now it was like criminally underwatched when it came out in theaters. I I, I still can't believe that the numbers were that low. Yeah. Um. You, you want to talk about Jumanji numbers versus <laughs> numbers yeah. for this movie? <laughs> there there's not even any comparison at all as far as what kind of money they made. Uh, obviously, they've made hundreds of millions oh, of dollars yeah. just in definitely DVD VHS DVD Blu-ray sales. Um. So I will say we've been we've been like glowing on this movie there's very little negative i have to say the only slightly it's not even much of a negative is i would say 80, 70% or maybe higher of the funny scenes in this movie for me are in the first half so once once you cross that second half line you get miracle max and you get
1: the albino
0: yeah, the albino, and you get the wedding scene. Yeah. Those are all like laugh out loud and hilarious moments. But that's kind of it for like yeah. the, the last 45 to 50 minutes. The first half, you get a ton of stuff. There's all the fight scenes mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the, the as you wish and the the silliness of, of that whole thing. And really, I think even like the fire swamp is in the first half. There's a lot of really funny, like memorable stuff that yeah. happens. You cross that 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 half halfway mark, and it starts to get a little more predictable, more... Uh, expositional like we got to move the plot forward and so it you do kind of miss out on some of the just the silliness of the first half in the second half but again that stuff is so good and it's not meant to be funny that <laughs> i can hardly even slide it for that um yeah can you think uh, of anything negative
1: other than that not really um one thing that i did really notice which i've never noticed before um when we watched this last monday with my sister there was this one line where Buttercup is walking um, after, I think it's after she has just married Humperdinck, uh-huh. and she's literally walking with her parents, and she's like, <laughs> "I think I'm going to kill myself tonight." And then her dad's like, "Oh, that's nice." <laughs> he's, <laughs> like, it's just he's like, "He's
0: totally oblivious." <laughs> that's that. He's like, "That's his only line in the whole movie." Yeah. That's like this—the equivalent of while you were sleeping, the the bike accident yeah. scene,
1: <laughs> and. And I mean, I've never, I've seen this movie probably like seven or eight times and I've never noticed that <laughs> line before until I was watching it last week. And I mean, it's not really meant to be funny, yeah. but Caitlin, my sister and I laughed out loud big time yeah, with that line. I, lo- I love
0: that line. I, I think it's funny too. Um, yeah. I, I did remember, I did remember that line for whatever reason. It's, it is a very passable line. Um, there were other. I can't recall them now, but there were there were several lines in the movie that when I watched it last night, where um, I, I was like, I don't, I don't even remember that line. Like, yeah. there are a lot of, and there were good lines. Like, there were lines that I was like, man, I, I need to remember that one, but and of course, I can't remember them now. But um, yeah, there's not much else really negative to say about the yeah. movie. It's uh, it's truly a gem. It is an incredible win for Disney to, yeah. to acquire this uh, property. So. And
1: I mean. If you go through like movies on Disney Plus and like stack them up, like if you were to rank them, I mean, I definitely think that this would be on the top. I mean, if you did like top 10 movies on Disney Plus, yeah, I, I think you would be sadly mistaken if you left this out.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of really good animated stuff like yeah. Pixar and stuff like that, that that goes hard against this one, but um, I, I would. I would happily watch this movie before watching even a lot of the Pixar stuff. Yeah, I, I, that might sound like absolute, you know, um, sacrilege to <laughs> true Disney fans out there, but man, this movie is really good. Um,
1: yeah, I mean that might be a good idea for an episode. Maybe we can do a top ten movies on Disney Plus.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, there's a lot of movies on there. Yeah, that, that would be hard to pare down. Um, I, I think a lot of the Pixar stuff would probably be in there for me, and and maybe even a couple of the animated yeah uh, embers New Groove I would absolutely be on the list um, so yeah um, I, that I did think that as like halfway through the movie I was like man I love that this is on Disney plus mm-hmm. the Disney plus service and I also thought this boy this does this fit in with the rest of their catalog yeah like this feels like that that kind of um you know, it's, it's not quite like Pete the Dragon, you know, fanciful kind of, like that mm-hmm. movie feels differently than this movie, obviously. This one's more adult. Uh, but as far as like the fancifulness and the comedy and the don't take this movie too seriously, it boy, it fits in with their the rest of their catalog. It, it's not a Disney movie. It was never a Disney movie. It is now technically, you know, through this loophole, but it feels like a Disney movie as you're yeah. watching it. I mean,
1: so. you could definitely go through different like Disney movies. And it fits right in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm, I'm really glad we brought this on the show. I watched it last night, and then I spent the last 24 hours just like, oh, I can't wait to talk about it. So. Yeah,
1: I mean, whenever I saw that this movie, which, I mean, it just came on like maybe a month or two ago. It hasn't been on since the beginning. But when I saw this, I told you, we have to do this movie.
0: Yeah, good pick, man. Uh, right on target for sure. Um, all right, well, uh, I think that wraps up for this discussion on that movie. Um, we'll have just a couple other kind of housekeeping things to cover, and then and then uh, I think we'll uh, be done for today. Um, there, there is some new content that's coming to Disney Plus mm-hmm. that I feel like we need to address. Um,
1: uh, do you have you do you know anything about Magic Camp? I do not, but I've heard. Is <laughs> it not very good? Um, I haven't heard much about it. Okay. I mean, there was an article on my Facebook newsfeed about why people aren't co- talking about Magic Camp, but I did not read that article.
0: <laughs> you didn't want to color your opinion too early. Yeah.
1: Really. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, one article, and then I'll let you talk about Magic yeah, Camp. Go for it. One article I did see this week is Disney made some comments that Mulan will not be the only movie that goes straight to video on demand. So yeah. now people have talked about movies like Black Widow. I think Black Widow is probably Boy. the one that people are really holding their breath Dude, for.
0: Would that sell subscriptions or what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy definitely. Cow. Like literally the only way to watch the next MCU movie is by having yeah. a Disney Plus subscription. That's insane. Yeah.
1: And then um, Soul is coming up too. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Jungle Cruise. So those are oh, yeah. three movies that they've really talked about. and you never know. I mean, movie theaters are opening in our area this week, but will there be movies to show in yeah. the near future? Yeah. That's the question.
0: Yeah. And, and you almost like, even with theaters opening, they're opening at 30%. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the ones that around here are 30% capacity, I think some may, maybe as high as 50, but I would assume concessions are down or not being sold whatsoever just so they can stay open. Um, uh, Picture studios like, you know, uh, Disney or you know any other studio that you can think of, have to be thinking: Do we even release a movie to theaters if no one's going to actually attend to yeah. watch it? Like you have to wonder about Tenet and some of these other big films. It's like they're absolutely not going to have the box office that they're hoping for, if yeah. they, even if they release it. So is Disney better suited just to release some of these, especially smaller movies? I'm not sure. I believe Black Widow. I do believe. Soul. I think that will go to Disney
1: Plus. Yeah. I think more like maybe like if you put Disney movies in like tiers, maybe you're seeing not definitely not the tier one, I don't think, but maybe like more tier two to three. Yeah. Maybe you're talking like the movies that would make like maybe sixty to like hundred and fifty million yeah. in theaters. Yep. But I definitely I think, don't think Black Widow.
0: I think anything Pixar is going to be like 1.5 tier. Like it is going to be really a lot of money. I would Um, be shocked
1: if Black Widow and I mean, it would definitely get the subscribers for sure. Jeez. But I think you're talking like, I mean, it's obviously easily going to be a eclipse a hundred million. Yeah. You're talking more like probably 500 million in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a huge movie. I I think you want to release that in theaters, even if yeah. if even if you have to delay it again, like delay it into next year. Like delay it like it was supposed to come out in May. Yeah. Of 2020, so even if they have to go May 2021, I think I almost feel like that's, that's a better use of your time. Like. Disney has lost so much money. Yeah. With their theme parks and so forth. Yeah. I I what's another six months? I think they just have to hold out for it because I honestly think that people will be so excited for this movie that, I mean, it's definitely not going to get to the peak of Avengers Endgame or Infinity War, but I think you see this one as maybe, like, at least top 10 box office of all of the Marvel movies yeah. just on the fact that people are so excited to get another Marvel movie. Yeah. Because, I mean... It's been so long. Yeah.
0: Well, and and if you're the only game in town, like if you're literally the only movie worth watching in the th- in the theater, guess what? Everyone's going to be watching when they go to the theater. So, if there's there's a case to be made of like let's let's release it now, like let's release it in November because what else are people going to watch in the theater? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. All that stuff is way over my head, but uh, I don't I don't know. I, I I'm not sure you see an MCU movie that's straight to Disney Plus. Uh, I think Star Wars is in that category too. I don't know. You ever see a Star Wars yeah. that's straight to Disney Plus? Um, Pixar is like uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, people might mention Onward, but I, I would just remind you that it didn't. It wasn't originally into Disney yeah. Plus. It did actually release in theaters, and then COVID hit, and then they moved it to Disney Plus. But
1: I would say I think
0: Soul could, but like a twist. If there's a Toy Story five someday or something like that, like um, I, I think those probably go. Uh, to the theater, I, they don't want to waste those hot shots like that. So
1: yeah, it would be probably like the greatest win ever for Disney Plus if they got Black Widow.
0: Oh yeah, I mean everyone, everyone you know would, would be signing up for yeah. Disney Plus at that point. Definitely. Yeah, and they would probably have to do the same thing as Mulan, where they yeah you have to have a Disney Plus yeah. subscription, but you also have to pay this one time fee. Um, so um, the only other like new stuff that I saw that's coming out anytime soon. I haven't looked into se- September yet, but as far as August, there's a movie called The One and Only Ivan. I don't know if you've heard anything about this. I don't I know zero
1: about Is it. Is that the gorilla? Yes.
0: One. Yes, you're right.
1: I I feel like I've seen the preview for it. Okay. And it looks very strange.
0: So here here's who's in it. I, I when I f- f- read a brief synopsis, I was like, I don't know about that one. Here's who's in it though. Sam Rockwell. Okay. Angelina Jolie. Oh my. Danny DeVito. Brian Cranston. And then and then a couple of people I haven't heard of. But like once I saw the cast, I was like, whoa. hold on a second. Angelina Jolie's in this movie. Uh Danny DeVito, Brian Cranston. Um Sam Rockwell. I was like, okay, I, I might want to pay attention to this one. Um I, I didn't have it on my radar at all. But um here's here's the crazy thing. It comes out as we're recording this, it comes out in four days. So it's a little strange to me that we haven't heard more about it. Uh, I I almost feel like Disney Plus needs some, like, trailers or something. Like, hey, watch this trailer
1: for this upcoming movie. I mean, I've seen, like, I feel like I saw the trailer of this on ABC. Okay. So it's, I feel like you would see them on, like, ABC, ESPN, those companies that have ties with Disney. But other than that, I don't think you'd ever see it.
0: Yeah, um, it's... uh, a gorilla named and it takes, takes place in the seventies, which is cool. It's a period piece. Uh, a gorilla named Ivan lives in a cage at the exit eight, big top mall and and video arcade with an aging elephant named Stella, um, which is voiced by, um, Angelina Jolie and a dog named Bob, Danny DeVito with no recollection of how they got there. They are owned by Mac, Brian Granston, the owner of big top mall. Um, and then, um, some action kind of happens from there. Um, make sure you watch this uh, this heartwarming upcoming fantasy film, especially if you're an animal lover. So it seems like an animal kind of driven movie. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to check it out. Uh, I don't know if it's meant for kids or not. I might try to see if my daughter wants to watch it. But if not, I'll probably just watch it by myself. But that's another one that we can maybe cover, I think, in the coming weeks. I think yeah. um, uh, listeners might enjoy hearing us talk about new stuff as well as old stuff. So. Uh, speaking of old stuff, here's the plan for next week's episode. We are very excited to have uh, super friends of the show, and I would say a friend in in just real life as well, uh, Jerry McMullen, back to the show. Um, we are uh, going to record it sometime uh, this coming weekend, and then post it. You know, at the probably the normal. Scheduled time. We we've kind of gotten into this groove of releasing episodes on Tuesdays, um, so this one might release on as early as Sunday or Monday. But uh, definitely within the next week of this episode, we'll have another episode up, and we're going to be watching 1988. Just one year after the movie we just covered. Uh, who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, such a bizarre uh, Disney film. But um, uh, I, again, one that I, I watched a lot when I was uh, younger. I almost said a kid, but I definitely did not, was not allowed to watch this one uh, when I was a young kid. There's This, uh, this movie is definitely more adult than the movie that yeah. we just talked about.
1: I feel like uh, definitely Hamilton is right on the edge of Disney Plus and not Disney Plus. Sure. But this movie... <laughs> Definitely has parts that, I mean, it might be uh, like MC, any MC
0: movie that's on the service is cleaner than this movie. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, there's stuff that, and there's cartoons in it, but there's you definitely do not want your child <laughs> watching this movie.
0: Just, if you if you're not familiar with the, the movie, I feel like probably most people are, but uh, just just Google Jessica Rabbit and, <laughs> and and just and just look at how they. How they um, dress her? Yeah, <laughs> dress her up. How, how she's animated. Uh, Is this movie's not for kids? It's an animated. Is it? It's one of those uh, both, right? Like it's yeah, live action and animated of. at the same time. I I will I will say this as a preview for next week's episode. I guarantee you we're going to be talking about the technology of this film because mm-hmm. I'm going to be looking up a lot of stuff. I was flabbergasted by this movie when it came out in 1988. 88. Yeah. Like I, I could not believe that they were doing animation on superimposed with live action in this way. It was
1: definitely one of those movies that I remember watching like maybe in like my teens or so. And then I came back and watched it like maybe three or four years ago. I'm just like, wow. How how did they do this? Yeah. (laughs) This is a lot different than I (laughs) remember. I didn't remember it being so risque. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, it's gotta be PG 13. I think it Um, is. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely a more adult um, conversation next week, but um, nothing you haven't heard on the show. And we keep it clean on the show anyways as we talk about these Mm -hmm. things. So, um, so yeah, 1988s. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Um, at the very least, me and Jerry, I'll talk to Grant after we hit stop on the recording, and figure out if if we can work it out where he can be on the show as well. But at the very least, me and Jerry will be talking about it. Jerry's very excited to come back on the show. It's been too long since we've had him on, uh, definitely more than two or three months. So um, it'll be good to have him back on. And I'm excited about talking about that movie. Um, we've gotten kind of long. I guess we'll maybe skip on what else have you been watching. I'll catch up with you again. Yeah, um, it hasn't really changed, so a, yeah, we can skip that. It hasn't changed much for me either. So, uh, so yeah, tune in next time for uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, highly recommend watching that movie if you haven't seen it, especially before we talk about it next week. And then uh, uh, join in on the conversation, um, uh, virtually speaking. Uh, as we cover that next week if you'd like to write into the show uh, like we've we've gotten some some, uh, some writings into the show recently you can do that at Disney Plus PLUS reviews at Hotmail.com uh, tell us something that you've been watching on Disney Plus something that you want to review your own thoughts on Princess Bride or especially if you have some thoughts that you want to write in about Who Framed Roger Rabbit I would love yeah. to include those comments into a conversation um, if you send those to me at least by Sat before Saturday as you're hearing this, um, if you're hearing this the same week that we post it, then I should get it in time before we go live. And definitely
1: so, send us your ideas because yeah. we always love to hear new ideas.
0: Yeah, we'll eventually be watching Marvel stuff uh, and um, and Mandalorian stuff when it comes out, but we, we're going to have quite a bit of time I think between now and then to uh, cover some of these other films. So, Uh, let us know your ideas. Thanks for listening to the show. We love our listeners. We love um, getting feedback from you guys. So uh, please do that and tune in next time for Who Framed Roger Rabbit.